0: Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barclay. We're glad you've joined us today and uh, in this time of live streaming. And uh, we just pray God's blessings upon you this day and that as you start this new week, all these new things are happening. People, kids getting back to school, a lot of people kind of getting back into the marketplace that uh, their jobs are opening back up again. We just pray God would uh, bless you and give you strength, also protect you and bring healing. If you have family members who may be sick, regardless of the situation, the COVID-19 uh, or, or any of these things, we just pray that God would uh, heal you and strengthen you and uh, just empower you to do His will. I pray today that God's message would truly, that you'd have hearts to hear what God has to say to you individually. God speaks in mysterious ways, and uh, he, but I believe He speaks. And He speaks a really clear word, a, a bold word to our hearts as we share uh, from the Word of God today. So we just thank you for being a part of this service. Welcome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you again that we can pray. Lift up the name of Jesus. And we pray today that everything that we do will bring glory and honor to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. And even these in these homes and places of residence that people are watching in this live streaming, we ask you just to enter in. You're there with them. May they be aware of your presence and your love and your goodness and your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And Father, if there'd be anyone there who's never really committed their life to Christ, never received forgiveness from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, we just pray that day, the day would be the the beginning of just a new life in walking with Jesus day by day. And so, Father, today you speak and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. And we pray these things in the marvelous, majestic name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. John chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 12 through 36. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Don't be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look. The whole world has gone after him. And now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was, with in, was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father... Save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that, that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said it was an angel that had spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now's the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I... When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? And then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Wonderful story here. It's moving pretty quickly to the time of Jesus's uh, death, crucifixion, burial and resurrection. We're moving up to that particular point. And so we're seeing a scenario that's taking place exactly according to the word of God. Exactly what God has said, even in Zechariah, talking about that he would ride into to Jerusalem on a donkey. All this stuff was prophesied. In fact, all the prophecies of the word of God have either come to pass or will come to pass before this age ends. God is going to fulfill his promises to you and to me. And there are many. And obviously, when we know those promises and we see how good they are and how God really loves his people, his children, I want it to set you free. And so Jesus said he came to set the captive free. We've been talking a little bit about that recently, teaching about it and so forth. And Jesus is riding into town on that donkey. And uh, he's encountering people. Remember what they're saying? They're saying, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord who comes, you know, in peace and so forth. And so at that particular time, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then very shortly after that, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. How fickle human nature is. Have you ever noticed that? We One day we're up, one day we're doing just fine, one day we're on a high, and we're going along, and then all of a sudden, man, that bottom drops out because our circumstances change. And what God is doing in our lives today, I want to tell you, and I believe it's something so significant, obviously. All that He does is very significant in the lives of His children is that He's obviously getting us to be able to go through whatever it is we face in life and still give Him praise and still give Him the glory. And that's what this is all about. When we come to church, we want to be strengthened in our faith. We want to be encouraged. We want to know that God hears prayer. We want to see the miracles of God that He does. And He does many miracles as testified here today. We could all share of many blessings that God has done in our lives today. That's what God is all about. Jesus is is coming into Jerusalem at this time. But the question I want to ask you today, uh, and the title of this message is, is I surrender all. If any of you have ever listened to, or maybe some of you have gone to a Billy Graham uh, crusade and all, you know, a lot of times at the end of the service, uh, they sang that song, I Surrender All. Many times that was the case, wasn't it? And he offered the invitation and many, many people came down and, and there and knelt at the altar of where he was preaching and gave their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to look at this I surrender all real closely today. Because the question for you and I are have we really surrendered all of our life to the Lord? I'm talking about yielded it all up to the Lord. Are we sort of like we sang that hymn a million times? We know what it says. We know it's our surrender all. We know, obviously, as a Christian, that we have got to, We must surrender our life to the Lord. We are no longer our, our own. We've been bought with a price. And, and so as we look at this and we go through this time, I want you to examine maybe the Spirit of God would really just put his hand upon any area of your life that maybe you have not uh, surrendered your life. At this particular time, it was the Passover feast. Uh, at that in Jerusalem, and again, Jesus was going in, and Jesus was making a declaration of his messiahship. Think about it; he was making a declaration here. And again, Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine says, "Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." Here. And so this was a powerful sign, too, because normally when kings came in and took over their reign, they came in on this beautiful stallion. They came prancing into town. But here Jesus is coming in, riding on a donkey. How ironic this is. And I believe it's a revelation of how he would save the world because he humbled himself. He emptied himself here, gave his life for us. He humbled himself and all. And, you know, he didn't have to come down from heaven. He didn't have to give his life for all of mankind that whoever believes in him should have eternal life and not perish. He didn't have to do that. And yet he surrendered his life. And so this donkey riding in a donkey, maybe it's a sign of his humility. I believe it it holds great significance and certainly symbolism there as far as who our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ was. And so he came in and so there's excitement in the crowd and all. In fact, the crowd The people during that time, they believed that Jesus was coming to deliver them from the hands of the Romans. We know that. They believed and obviously that they were going to be obviously set free from the captivity that they had over them in the government, the Roman government at that time. And Jesus is basically trying to get them to think about this from a spiritual standpoint and saying that, hey, I'm not coming in the sense of that to set you free there. I'm coming to set you free spiritually. Because ultimately, that's who we are. We're spiritual beings. And we know we're made of a body, soul, and spirit. But we're spiritual. Most important of all. Because when we die, as we're born again, our spirits, our souls will go to be with the Lord there. Our bodies were dying. Our bodies are decaying even as we speak. But he's trying to get a spiritual truth across to them. Something you've got to be born again. We talked about it several weeks ago. You've got to be uh, born again anew in your spirit man. He's got to have the Spirit of the Lord living within you. It says here there were some Greeks that wanted to talk to him. And they were definitely, they were Gentiles. And what is this saying? It's saying that Jesus came not just for the Jews, but he came for all of mankind. How great that is. Because you and I, obviously, we have an opportunity for salvation because of that. He came, obviously, to begin with, through the Jewish people. But he came for Gentiles. We're Gentiles. And he came for the Jewish people. And it says in Romans chapter 1 that uh, Paul is not ashamed of the power of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's a power of salvation first to the Jew and to the Gentile. First to the Jew and then the Gentile. You and I have an opportunity because Jesus came for all of mankind. Isn't that good news? That's great news. And that's why these Greeks were coming. They weren't Hellenistic Jews. They were actually actually Gentiles that were coming. Uh, And it was important to understand that. And what does Jesus say in verse 23? He says, my hour has come. It's time. And remember, up until that time, if you've read scripture and so forth, he said that my time is not yet. Remember at the wedding feast in Cana? He said, my time's not yet. This is not yet in in all. My time's not here. But in this scripture, at this particular time of history, Jesus is saying that my hour has come. Now, this tells me something really important. It's something that you and I, I believe, are challenged to every day. And that is that Jesus is so sensitive to his father's perfect timing. He said, my hour, that my hour has come. My time and hour has come. The hour has come for the son of man to be glorified here. And so he was so sensitive to God's will. He was such in communion with his father is that he understood the timing that it was time. I'm ready to go. my, My ministry here on this earth is completed. I have done the will of my Father, and now my hour has come. He was sensitive in that way. And I would just challenge each one of us today to look at our own lives and to just ask the question, are we sensitive to God and His speaking in our lives? Are we sensitive to God's timing in our lives when He tells us to go or when He tells us to stay? Or when He tells us to speak? Or maybe when He tells us to be quiet? Are we sensitive to God in that way? You see, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ was that way. He was very sensitive to His, his uh, Father and how He speak, spoke. He was the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world here in verse 33. He says, the hour has come. You think about it. The hour has come. The people did not understand it fully, but Jesus was speaking here. I believe all these things prophetically being fulfilled according to the plan of His Father. Everything is working out exactly the way our Father has determined it. And you think sometimes that maybe somehow that that mankind has got in here and maybe changed the plan of God? No, nothing can change the plan of God, and God has a plan for you, and He has a plan for me. And if we will we just yield our lives to Him, we will be fulfilled like we've never been fulfilled before. We try to kind of a, take in all the things of the world. We try to take in all these things that, that everybody offers us and so forth, when really we find they're not fulfilling. We find out the things of God are the things that really feel, feed our souls, and the things that are there. Jesus is obviously saying here, that my time has come. It's time for me to give my life up. And you know, couldn't you think about it from the human side? Remember, Jesus was deity. He was God, two sides of him. He was born of a virgin there. He was born, he was impregnated by the Holy Spirit in uh, in his mother Mary and all. And remember this, he was deity, so he was God. But he was also man. And when he walked on this earth, he operated from a man standpoint. In the book of Hebrews, it says that we don't have someone that can't sympathize with our weaknesses because he's been tempted just like you and I. And so we think when he knew his hour was coming, can you, can you think about the gravity of the situation at that time? Can you think about how serious of a time this is and, and all? And you think about it, maybe, maybe maybe there was a fleeting thought and just maybe just suggest this to you, that he would say to his father, Father, I don't want to go through with this thing. This thing looks like it's too horrible. I don't want to go through. You think that Jesus ever thought that? No, he didn't. What did he say? I'm ready to go. I want to fulfill the will of my father. There was no hesitation in that. In that sense, he did not. And obviously he dismissed dismissed it immediately there. And obviously Jesus always said no to anything contrary to the father's will. He just wanted to do the father's will. The question is today, is that our life? Is that our lifestyle? Do we have our own plans and our own kind of methods of doing things? Or have we obviously said, Lord, I want your will more than anything in my life. I want to give you my life and I want to give you my totality of who I am. You know, the Bible says that we offer our bodies to him as spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto the Lord, our spiritual act of worship, then bodies actually means to give the totality of our being to him. Do we have we done that? Or maybe do we do that on a regular basis? I remember my daughter. This was years ago, and I remember I was doing hospice at the particular time as a chaplain, and uh, it, hospice is kind of a uh, it's a tough place because you're you're dealing with obviously uh, people who are who are beginning to make the transition from the physical into the spiritual and so forth. And I have an opportunity, had that wonderful opportunity to minister to people before they went out into eternity. But dealing with that, you know, you got attached to people. And and you saw the the grief in people's and families' lives. It's so hard because it was day after day after day after day. And I remember that I was sitting in a chair. I remember where I was. My daughter came and knelt there by the chair and looked at me and said, Dad, why do you do the things that you do? And what she was talking about was hospice. Why do you do that? And I remember because emotions welled up in me. And I said, I do that because I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do the will of God more than anything else in my life. And wherever he leads me, I will follow. And so that's the question. And I had to revisit that very often. Trust me. And I'm not trying to stand up here today and be some pious person, super spiritual, you know, with my halo around. I'm just saying today is really people today struggle in their Christian lives. You know why they struggle is because they're not doing it God's way. God said, I came." Jesus said I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. But when we don't line up with the principles of God, when we're not obviously following what God's word is, giving our lives to him. Day by day. In fact, I believe that surrendering to God is a daily experience. You you get up in the morning saying, Lord, what are you and I going to do today? What are we going to do? Or do you get up saying, I've got my plans, Lord. And maybe if you want to join me, that's fine. If not, I'm going on ahead. You see, we have that choice every morning. What do you want to do today, Lord? Where are you going to lead me today? How can I witness for you today and share the love of Jesus with somebody? You know, yielding your life every day and that old flesh and that human side of us, just like the human side of Jesus. Maybe they were, he was, obviously, he was tempted like we did. He never succumbed to that temptation. He never sinned. He was perfect there. And we try to do it on our own so often when God is saying, Give me your life. You know, you gave me your life to me back then. Come back and just give me your life today. I want to take care of you. I want to do that through you. And again, reason why a lot of Christians struggle is because they're not lining up with the Word of God. They're doing their own thing. They're just basically saying, this is my life, I'm going to do with it what I want to do with it. And God is saying, give me your life. Jesus knew how to do that perfectly. But then He goes on to say here in verse 28, He said, Father, glorify Your name. Glorify Your name. Is that our obviously life's reason for living? Is our life just say, Lord, glorify Your name in and through my life? to glorify your name. You see, God our Father is glorified and it was glorified through Jesus when He was obedient to to His Father in everything that He did. When He laid hands on the sick, when He prayed for those that were demon-possessed, when when He went around just sharing love and compassion like uh, no one ever had before and so forth, He did it to bring glory and honor to His Father. And the question could be asked today, are we doing the same? Why are we living? Are we living again to do the will of the Father, to glorify His, His holy name and everything that we do and say, the way we act and our attitudes, our motives, our words, our actions? Is that our purpose for living today? It was Jesus's, and it should be ours also. He says, Father, what matters to me is that You're honored, that You are exalted here. But you see, we live in a society that would elevate man and ignore the significance of God's honor and glory. Whatever it may be. We live in that type of society today, don't we? You see, we live in a self-centered society. I don't know if y'all have y'all kind of gained that yet. We live in a, it's about me, myself, and I. And to heck with everybody else. But are we living in a society, I mean in our lives, in the church house. In our lives, our families today that lives unselfishly, giving ourselves away, doing the things that the Father is directing us to do. You see, obviously, we don't want to do anything to diminish His name. Certainly, nothing can. But I don't want to put a blemish on His name by my actions or whatever it may be. And trust me, I have to come back to Him and confess to Him on a regular basis. Lord, I repent of this and I run to You and to Your arms. We don't want to do anything, obviously. But the motive obviously, that we have becomes a reason not to sin and not to compromise. It's not a self-righteous or self-exaltation. It is a passion to exalt God by the way that we live for Him. And I'm talking about I use the word passion because there's a more of an emphasis upon that we're going to do this. It's like deep down inside of us. It's like a burning desire deep down in our hearts. A passion to do and to live for our Father today instead of living for the things of the world. The things that sort of please our flesh temporarily. You remember the new car always loses its smell real quick, doesn't it? All these things we get. The toys, they don't, they don't add up. All that stuff we get. Man, the, the newness wears off quick. But you see today, if we live for God, it's something everlasting. And will never be wasted because that's the only thing we can carry to heaven. Can't carry our money with us. Can't carry any of these other things we think are security. We don't have any security apart from the Lord today. We could be taken from this place, uh, I mean, just in a flash, God desired. I mean, no, there are no guarantees in that sense, are there? And so obviously, verse 26, My honor, My Father will honor the one who serves me. When we give our lives to the honor of God through obedience to Jesus Christ, honor comes to us from the Father. In other words, we honor Him and He honors us. When we humble ourselves, He he said He will exalt us in due season. He'll lift us up if we humble ourselves and we exalt Him. But the question is, who are we exalting? Are we exalting God or are we exalting ourselves, trying to do it ourselves here? And so here, we see in the text, Father, glorify Your name here. And heaven resounds with that kind of motive here. Can you imagine? You know, the angels there in heaven there saying, Amen. And it thunders when God speaks from heaven. And they said, they thought it was an angel or they thought it was a thunder there when they heard God's voice, when God was speaking. And you know, God, God the Father said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And he did, didn't he? When Jesus arose from the grave. Obviously, Confucius is still in the grave. Obviously, Buddha's still in the grave. Obviously, Mohammed's still in the grave. And all these other uh, ideologies and things, they're in the grave. But Jesus lives, and He lives forevermore. Hallelujah! He's the one we will be with. We will rule and reign with Him. The Bible says that He will actually put us charge over angels. We will have places of responsibility when we get there. And they'll be obviously determined by how we respond in obedience to here on this side. Our salvation is not obviously determined by that. It's by grace through faith in Jesus. But what we do for Jesus after we're saved, it means all the world today. We do it because we love Jesus. We don't do it because we think we have to. We want to know Jesus. Paul said, I want to know Jesus and I want to know the power of his resurrection and to share in the fellowship and of his sufferings today. We love the power of his resurrection, but sometimes we forget about that last part of that voice and verse of in Philippians and saying and sharing in the fellowshipping of those those sufferings today. There can be suffering in your life and my life today. And what is it all about? Has God forgotten us? Has he abandoned us? No, indeed. He's always with us. But He's doing something deep in our life that He knows that only that place where you're at can make us more like Jesus. Amen. And thank Him. That's why He says to give thanks in all circumstances. for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Because if not, we'll moan and groan and we'll start begin to doubt whether or not God is good all the time. And God is good all the time. Amen. No matter what we're going through in life. No matter what our circumstances presented to us. God is good. And He's good all the time. You see, life is to be lived out for the glory of God here. Life is not to be a pursuit of my own exaltation and glory. I'm going to ask myself in every decision, would this behavior, would these words reflect well on the name of Jesus and whose name I represent? Or would it disgrace that name? Every decision. Oh boy. Starting to kind of step on toes. Aren't we? Stepping on my toes. It's every decision that I made, if I asked and said, Lord, will it bring glory and honor to you? I believe that's what we're supposed to do in everything that we do and say, you see. You see, no person can live for his own honor or prestige and for the honor of another at the same time. You're either going to glorify the Lord or you're going to glorify yourself. One or the other. It can't go both ways. In Luke chapter 18, verse 14, for everyone, listen to this, who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted oh you know the world tells us teaches us something completely different doesn't he said humble yourself he said obviously if somebody hits you on on one side turn the other cheek let him hit you on the other side oh wow (laughs) you know what you want to do is say i'm going to hit back and i'm going to hit back harder you see, when we humble ourselves, what we do is we have confidence that our God can take care of whatever it is face in life. We give it to you. You're not no longer your own anyway. If you're saved, then you've given your life to Jesus. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of the lamb, and we're no longer our own. He takes responsibility to take care of us if we really humble ourselves and just say, Lord, I can't take, I can't do this. That's why in the Christian life, when you say, I can't do it, God says, good, I will. But what do we want to say? We want to strain and we want to just kind of get bare up under it. And all we find out, eventually we run out of strength. We run out of energy. When we yield and when we surrender our life to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this. He, he begins to just come in like a flood and says, I can and I will. Philippians chapter two, verse five through seven. Your attitude, he's speaking to us, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was the one who spoke in creation. All the planets and all the galaxies and everything came into being, and they all work exactly according to his plan. He was the God of all creation, created you and me, gave us life, breathed life into you and me. Obviously, when we were obviously there in our mother's womb, when the conception took place and life began at the conception, trust me, that's when life begins. And God gave us life. The one who did all that, he made himself nothing. He humbled himself in that way. So, does Christianity work? It works if we live by its principles. The Christian who lives his life by the world's principles, obviously... Makes his decisions based upon his own self-interest. Ooh, hitting home. When we make our decisions based upon what is going to benefit me, you see what happens is, then we lose out at some point down down in the future, sometime or another, we're gonna lose because the Bible is true. If we somehow just say, "I, I this is I want my way." Some people say it's my way or the highway. You ever heard that? Yep. My way or the highway. Okay. I want my way and I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if it tears relationships up. I don't care if it does that. And you see, and Jesus is that I made myself nothing. I humble myself that I would truly be exalted in due season. You see, the world is driven by one thing. What? Anybody? Self-interest. Self-interest. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? How can this benefit me? What do I have to do? What is it this? And what's in it for me? It's most important to understand that. It's most important. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. The Bible says here in verse 25, listen to the man who loves his life and w- will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life here. Jesus is not saying we should hate our lives. He's saying, obviously, what he actually means is having a relatively little regard for your life. In other words, your life is not the priority. He doesn't say, I don't want you to enjoy life. Don't get me wrong in that. That's not what he's saying. But don't put your life above everything else. Because what you will do at that particular time, self-interest will trump everything that God wants to do in your life and my life. That's what he's saying here. He says, so if you try to hang on to your life, and you don't give me your life, you're gonna lose it. You see, when you surrendered to Christ, when you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you gave him your life. You died to self in that respect. You know the Bible, when we get do water baptism, you know, buried with Christ in death, raised to walk in newness of life. That's symbolic of being dead in Christ and being raised to walk in the newness of life, being a new person, new creation, because of the life of Jesus in you and me, the, the Spirit of God. But he says, you hang on to your life, and you're going to lose it. You eventually will lose it. And that's why today many people, obviously, still live selfishly. You see, selfishness, anybody here know and, uh, and realize in your life? I'll tell you, I'll be one, because I'll get in and say I know this, personally. Know that selfishness never goes away, you know? Selfishness doesn't, does it? It's always there. It's kind of creaking around a corner. It's kind of rear its ugly head and all the time saying, I want want my way. And all the songs out there today, all the, the, obviously, the TV ads, everything, have it your way. You want it your way and so forth. And it always does. But you see, what we have to do is we have to die to self, really, in a sense. We have to deny ourselves and take up our crosses daily and follow Him. It has to be a regular basis. And if it takes every moment of every day you have to do that, or it takes that from my standpoint to be able to live the life God has called us to live, then we need to do that. Because if not, what takes the place? Self-interest. I want it my way. I want it. And I'm going to have it my way using a simple kernel of wheat he's u- using. Remember in uh, Luke chapter 12, listen to what he's saying. He's talking who foolish, uh, the man who foolishly lived to build bigger and better barns, remember that, this for himself, was confronted about his, his love of the self-life in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The man said, I'm going to build bigger barns, I'm going to put up, and, and nothing wrong with savings. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about not living for God. Nothing wrong with, with putting things aside for your, your security later on. But God, remember, your security is in God anyway, not in your bank account, not in anything, your, your 401k, none of that. Our security is in the Lord. But he's saying, you have lived solely for yourself, self-interest. He said, You're, you fool, your souls will be demanded of you tonight. In other words, he gave nothing. He didn't lay his life down for the Lord and for other people. He had nothing. And so he lost it all. He said, it's all going to be taken away. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals, okay, in hospice today. And I've done people that were from the highest and places in, in this city who had were wealthy. I've had people that obviously... Uh, you, I can name that you would name their names and that you'd know their names and all, and all that. I never saw them take one bit of their money in that casket. I never saw body people putting bags of money in the casket. They can't take it with them. Why do we place our emphasis upon all those things that are obviously not, shouldn't be the priority? We do, don't we? But you see, I've done funerals of people that I've walked in their homes And they're little small, small shanties. And, And actually one house I went in, it was not leveled and I had to walk on an angle. And I had to squeeze through doorways. And it was so hot in there. By the time I came out, I was soaking wet from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. But I walked back there and this little old lady was laying there in the bed. And she wanted to talk to me about Jesus. She was so rich. She was so rich in the Lord. She didn't have anything hardly materially. And I'm not talking against having material things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that. I believe God blesses in a different way. I'm just saying, what's the priority? She told me about Jesus. And obviously she went home to be with the Lord. I saw many like that. I saw all types. People live for themselves. And, not. and and I want to tell you I'm challenged with this I'm not saying I'm up here saying oh man I'm just self-righteous in this I'm challenged every day with this to say I lay my life down for other people for the Lord maybe that's your obviously uh, position today also you see do I make my daily decisions on the basis of this is what I want to do this is what I want so this is what I'm going to do or is there that pausing before the Father, asking God what He wants? What well, do you want, Father, in this? We go out and buy this and that and so forth. Do we ask the Father, you want us to have this or whatever? You see, that's what really we're talking about today. You see, to be able to enter into that rest that God wants us to have, we really have to surrender all. I'm not just talking about singing a hymn, Billy Graham, or whoever else the church house played. I'm talking about really yielding your life. Has that happened in your life? You see, I think we need to revisit these things, don't you? I think there are times we need to come back to that and say, are we living for my glory? Are we living for the Father's glory? One or the other. Can't do both. And that's the question today. We begin to live for God's glory and His glory alone. Then you say, hey, this Christianity works. It's all coming together now. Now is that life abundantly that Jesus promise and that's what we should be doing Daniel remember the story he asked the uh, the people that were taking care of him he said you know I don't want to eat this meat I don't want to eat all these unhealthy things can I have vegetables you see Daniel obviously wanted to do everything to bring glory and honor to the father and he was going to ask about it even if possibly he could have lost his life over it that's why why he was leaving and so when we make the kind of choices and when we decide to do the will of the father whatever it costs us that's when we really experience Christianity the way it should be lived, right? Whatever it costs us. Not compromising through life and saying, well, on this big thing, I'll do it. Maybe here and there. And I'll kind of pick and choose on the things. I'm talking about I surrender. What's the last all? What does all mean? All means all, right? Everything. I surrender every part of my life to you, oh God. You see, obviously, I believe that sometimes things don't work out. And maybe years ago that you you went to the Lord and you said, I surrender all, Lord. I surrender all. And then life hasn't turned out the way that you thought it was. And you look back and you go, you know, things just have not been fulfilled like I thought they would be. And then you go back and remember, "I I, I surrendered my life to the Lord way back here. Don't you think that God took that prayer seriously? I believe that's a prayer. And he never forgot it. And he's working things out in your life, and my life, that we never thought. Have you ever thought about that? I give my life to you, Lord. When you do that, and you can do that sincerely, you ever look back and say, hey, uh, they ain't not working out like what I thought they would be. My dreams are not being fulfilled like I thought they would be. And then you go back and say, man, I surrendered my life to the Lord way back here. Could it be that God is answering that prayer in your life because he knows what's best for you and me? He knows what's best for the church. He knows what's best for you. Even at times, you may not see his working. He's never idle; he's always working in my life and your life. You remember years ago, there was a uh, a movie out, and it was called entitled "Mr. Holland's Opus." Anybody remember that? Yeah, Lynette, you remember it, don't you? I sit there and watch it. I don't see. I don't watch very many movies. I very seldom have gone to the theater and. So forth. This is years ago. And uh, I think the part was played maybe by uh, Richard Dreyfus, maybe? Yeah. I watched that movie and emotions rose up in me. And if you remember how the storyline went, Mr. Opus was a uh, school uh, uh, orchestra uh, band director, okay? And uh, he was working with young people's lives and he wanted to be his goal in life his his dream in life was to become a big composer a big name and, and all and so forth he didn't want to, i don't believe to be seen by anybody he just had a dream in his heart to become a big composer and it never worked out he worked individually with people and teaching them music and and did that in an excellent fashion he did that all of his life and all and so forth but he never made The big times. He never made and fulfilled that dream that he had. He never did. You know, you may be here today with maybe a dream that you've had on your heart. And it just hasn't worked out the way that you thought it would. But yet you said, Lord, I want your way above my way. And I believe what happens when that takes place is, is God comes in and he takes you at your word. Maybe things in your life have not worked out. Maybe you feel today entrapped in something that maybe in your life way back then that you did, you really regret it today. Do you know Jesus wants to set you free from that? Do you know and do you realize in the depths of your heart that Jesus came and died to set you free from that particular situation? Whatever it is, whatever it may be that God is touching on your heart today, you see. You may be like Mr.... uh, Holland and uh, the opus, Mr. Holland there, you may be. Your life has not been fulfilled. And that you are where you are today. You know, many people today being used by the Lord, many will never be seen by the general population and the audience of the congregation. It may have been somewhere down behind the scenes that you touched that young person's life. Maybe you were on your knees praying for your family. And praying for this or that, whether it be the church or maybe somebody God put on your heart. Maybe you're on your knees praying. You may never be seen by anybody except for God. And God saw you. And God wants you to know he has not turned away. And he wants you to know that he obviously commends you for that. He wants you to know that because you honored him by doing that, he now honors you. And that's what life is all about today because we're trying to mix match and we're trying to bring it together. It doesn't seem like it really fits, does it? We're like a jigsaw puzzle trying to put all the pieces together. And God says, I'm putting you back together and I'm the only one that can put you back together. You're a messed up piece of jigsaw, right? Uh Huh? Anybody? Yeah. But I know how to put you back together. You thought somehow that I'd forgotten about you and just kind of let you slip by and out of sight and so forth, and yet God is saying, No, I haven't. I saw you when you spoke that encouraging word to that lady who was distressed in the Burger King line. Yeah. The Bible says that Jesus, so when you've done it to these, you've done it when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Give that little cup of water, and when you've done it, you see. That's what life is all about. If you want to know where life is, you know where life is? You receive when you give your life away. When that kernel of wheat goes in the ground and it obviously dies and it brings forth all those sprouts, that's what life is all about. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this day. And we thank You today that You are King, You are Lord, You're over all and we love you and we praise you, Lord. And Lord, we're learning this and we want to grow in these. The reality of what your word says, but we need your help, Lord. So, Father, we ask you to help us. And come and work that in our hearts that we obviously will die to self. That, Lord, we will give up and surrender all, realizing that everything we do, we want to bring glory and honor to you and you alone. So, Lord, we know when self-interest and when selfishness raises its ugly head, we ask you, Father, to make choices to say no and to yield our hearts and lives to you. Lord, we need your help. We realize we haven't been very successful with that, maybe. But dear God, today, we just right now commit our lives to you and we say we surrender all. And Lord, I right now, I surrender this church to you. I surrender every life here in the in this church today. This is your church, not ours. We've come and this is a place we gather corporately and we have a family here of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Lord, this doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. So Lord, as your word says, when Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door and I'll come in and, and you will sup with us and we with you, Lord God, you'll have dinner with us. you have intimacy with us today. We fling wide the doors of this church. We fling wide the doors of our hearts, O oh God, and say, come in, Lord Jesus. Do and have your way, O oh God. We'll praise you forevermore. I pray today there be someone here who's never received, believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not just saying that somebody that, you know, saying, hey, I've, I've, I've said this and that, but I want I just want to give my life fully to the Lord today. I just want to, Yield my heart to the Lord. And I want to do your will. I'm tired of doing it my way. And I want to do it your way. Maybe today that individual would just yield and say, Lord, I want your way. I want to stop doing it my way. And Lord, I know that in that case, you'll come in like a flood. And so, Lord, today, if there'd be people being needed healing, which we pray for and we'll continue. Pray for healing because our God heals. Our God delivers. Our God saves. Bless you today. And we bless Jesus in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're glad you've joined us. We hope that you'll join us next week also. We pray today that you just praise the Lord every day. Thank him. Get up, Lord, on the right side of the bed and forever give him praise. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Amen.